What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 20 of Preloaded, the podcast dedicated to previewing and talking about all of the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games. My name is Josh Finderup, and I'm joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Jackson Van Over. Welcome back, Jackson. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. Welcome back to you, too. I'm excited to get back into our little show here for 2021. Yeah, me too. We've actually got a bit of a lighter news week, even though it's been like three weeks since our last episode, but I guess that happens at the new year. But nonetheless, we do have some new Hitman gameplay that we're going to look at. We have some Respawn news, some Arcane news, the developers behind Deathloop. And uh, towards the latter half of the show, we are going to get into our Game of the Year discussion, and we're going to talk a little bit about our New Year's gaming resolutions. So you'll want to stay tuned for all of that. But first, preloaded posts every Friday. We post the video versions over on both of our YouTube channels. So you can find it on my YouTube channel. I'm Quest Mode on YouTube. Or you can go to Jackson's YouTube channel. He's JV, J A Y V double E. If you prefer to listen, you can catch the audio version over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms, we'd love for you to leave a review. Either just post a quick uh, five-star review if you're enjoying the podcast. We'd even settle for a four-star review. Or if you want to let people know why you like listening, you could leave a written review. Uh, That'll definitely help us grow our audience. And you can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all of your comments and your feedback But we'd really love to get your questions. At the end of the show, we dig into our mailbag and we discuss one of the questions that you, our audience, sends in. So again, if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, send us a question to preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of questions, we are going to kick things off as we always do with our opening segment, Who the Hell Are These Guys? This is where Jackson and I answer a question, kind of a random question about our gaming history, our gaming preferences so you, the audience, can get to know us better. And this week, we are going to talk about our backlogs. During January, it seems like a good time. It's a bit of a slow time, good time to catch up on games. Um, So the question is, Jackson, which game is at the top of your backlog right now? Right now, as we are speaking, the game at the top of my backlog is Demon's Souls. I have no excuse for not playing this game yet. I've beaten the first boss, then I put it down, I was covering Valhalla, so many other games came out, Cyberpunk, it was just a whirlwind, but Demon's Souls is the game that I know I love, I know that I will love to continue playing it, I just haven't gotten to it yet, so it's at the very top for me. Nice, well, uh, I can say that if you enjoy a good Soulsborne game, you are in for a treat, I love that game, we'll definitely be talking about it later in the show. For me, I you know, I probably should have put more thought into this question because I have so many games at the top of my backlog, but I I didn't choose just one, but you know, with Deathloop coming up and that being one of my most anticipated games, I've never gotten into the Arcane uh kind of a backlog of games and I'd love to play Dishonored or Dishonored 2. I have not played either of those. Um and I also still have um uh, uh Yakuza Like a Dragon. I haven't played that. That's in my backlog. And 
Uh, I've gotten an itch to play Mortal Kombat 11. So that's another one. Those are three games that I just... They, there's like a revolving door in my head and they, one <laughs> pops in and then it pops out and the other pops in. So we'll see which one I get to first. Yeah, I'm that way too. I, I need to play Yakuza. I haven't played that yet. Uh, you couldn't see my face, Josh, but my jaw dropped when I, you said you hadn't played arcane games. Yeah. Like they're, they're so good. I know. Play them. I even saw, <laughs> I was in Best Buy for another reason, even though I should probably be avoiding that store right now. But, um, yeah. They have a they had a new arcane collection that came out. It is a full price. It's it's 60 bucks, but it has Dishonored 1, Dishonored 2, all the DLC and Prey, and I thought about pulling the trigger on it, but I didn't. Ooh, that's a great deal. If if you if you're into those kind of dynamic choose your own path uh story sequel player games, then yeah, it's a great deal. Yeah. And that, that the reason I didn't pull it the trigger is uh, Dishonored 2 is on Game Pass right now, so I'll probably just uh, play it there. That makes sense. Dishonored 2 is such a good game. Yeah. Yep. So We'll see if I get to that. Uh, there is a bit of a lull right now, but uh, uh, you know we've got some games on the horizon. Anyways, uh, great discussion. If anyone uh, listening has some games they want to share that is on your backlog, we'd love to hear. Drop us a comment in the YouTube comments and let us know. With that, we are going to move on to our Out This Week segment. Uh, it's a light week, just not a lot of games coming out this time of year, but there are two that are scheduled to come out the week following the posting of this podcast. So we always cover games that come out the Monday through Friday after we post. And on Thursday, January 14th, the PlayStation 5 version of MXGP 2020 comes out. So this is for any uh, racing fans, particularly like uh, motorcycle or motocross racing fans. This is the PlayStation 5 version of the game that came out uh, for all the other consoles, uh, I think, uh, last month. And then Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, The Game, Complete Edition, comes out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia, and PC on Thursday, January 14th. I did not play the original game, but this is a remaster of that uh, kind of beloved beat-em-up game. I think it's a beat-em-up. It shows how little I know about it, but I do know that people really like this game. Um, do, you, do you have any insight into these? Are you... Anything here you're interested in, Jackson? I, for one, am not. <laughs> I'm on the outside uh, when it comes to both of these games. Um, I know that Scott Pilgrim seems to be setting the world record for longest title for a video game. <laughs> yep. So that's interesting. Yeah. So anyways, if any of those uh, catch your interest, you might actually have something new to play. Uh, otherwise, you could do what Jackson and I are doing and, and dig into the old backlog. So uh, that brings us to our review roundup, but we are actually going to skip this segment this week because there, again, there's just not much coming out, and everything that's getting reviewed uh, has actually been out for several weeks already. So you're probably already up to speed on on all the reviews. Uh, hopefully, next week we'll be back. Uh, we'll probably be talking about Scott Pilgrim uh, and maybe another game or two. But uh, with that, we are actually going to already be taking our first break, and we get back. When we get back, we're going to get into the week in previews, uh, so we will see you in just a minute. Welcome back. We are now going to get into the week in previews, and we are switching it up a little bit with the new year. We are going to highlight from here on out in this segment our top five stories of the week, and this really will let Jackson and I keep the podcast a bit tighter, and it will hopefully make for more interesting discussion because we're going to be uh, highlighting the stories that we are the most passionate about and that we feel will resonate the most with you, our audience. So uh, we'd love to have your feedback on this. If uh, you like the way we're doing things, let us know. Again, drop us a comment uh, or even shoot us an email. Uh, but without further ado, 
The first story of the five that we are going to talk about this week is the Hitman 3 Game Informer story that uh, was actually published, you know, at the end of last month, but they just had a ton of information about Hitman 3 and in that this is uh, probably the biggest game coming out this January. Uh, we thought that it might be good to cover this. So, Jackson, I'm just going to rattle off some of the stuff that I found most interesting. I did do a lot of research here because this I just posted a video on my channel that talks about the 11 kind of cool gameplay details that I discovered. But here's what I found interesting. One, they revealed a new location, which is Berlin, Germany. If you've been following the game, you know that the other three that they've talked about are Dubai, uh, England, and um, China. There's a kind of a cityscape that, that you're going to get to explore in China. Anyways, there's a new one in Berlin, Germany, where you get to explore a, uh, an, a I don't know if it's abandoned or repurposed nuclear power plant. So that's kind of cool. Uh, next, they talked a bit about the camera. We all knew that there was a camera in the game, that that's a new gameplay device that you'll be able to use to hack things, but it'll also be retrofitted into Hitman 2, where you're going to actually have these photography missions. We don't know what they're going to be, but you'll be able to take pictures in Hitman 2 and somehow complete these photography missions. Then there are new puzzle elements, uh, like, for example, these um, uh, the, the keypads in the game are no longer just key cards that you swipe You'll actually have to find passwords, which we've seen in other games, but it's kind of cool when you have to, like, The Last of Us 2 did this, where they had those yeah. uh, uh, safe combinations that you had to find in the world. I thought that was really cool. Um, and levels will now have shortcuts, kind of a la the Dark Souls games, where you will have ladders, for example, that you can see, but you can't access. You have to get to the top of the ladder somehow to drop it down. And then what's cool about this is those will be open for all future runs through the level. Uh, so if you've played Hitman, you know that the, there's a ton of trial and error in these games, and that'll be super helpful. And then another kind of fun thing is that your save data will carry over from Hitman 2. I know a lot of people were asking about that uh, between Hitman 1 and 2. I don't know if they ended up doing it, but they are implementing that for Hitman 3. So that was a lot of talking about that. What are your thoughts here? Um, I've loved everything that Game Informer has put out there for Hitman 3, and it seems like there are some really good vibes surrounding Hitman 3. A lot of people are really excited for it, and it does feel like a culmination of this entire series, and every single little tidbit of information Game Informer puts out gets me that much more excited, um, and we've talked briefly about the game before now, but it looks gorgeous, it looks really fun to play, and... Most important of all, it feels like it's giving us a ton of um, tools to be creative. And so that's what I'm really excited about with this game. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the creativity that you can put into how you execute, pardon the pun, these levels is uh, <laughs> really what makes them special to me. And yeah, I'm really excited that the hype levels, like you said, are uh, pretty high. And I think that this is just another example of a game that could have probably justified a release in the fall, but they are going to, I think, just eat up the January sales because there's nothing else to play that's new and people love this franchise. So I wished uh, that other games would would kind of follow suit and do the same thing. Yeah, me too. Also, it's a replayable game. So it doesn't matter when you get this thing. The replay value is insane. So if yeah. you just can't grab it on launch, you're not going to feel bad if you have to grab this game like six months after launch because it's just that kind of game that rewards you no matter when you play it. Yep, absolutely. So... Lots to look forward to there. Uh, that game releases on January 20th, I think for all major platforms. Uh, so look for that. Uh, our next story 
has to do with Arcane Studios. This is the studio behind the Dishonored games and Prey and the upcoming Deathloop. And we now know, uh, based on an interview with one of their lead developers, Harvey Smith, that they're working on a new project, which is exciting. We don't know what this project is. We just know that Harvey Smith is working on it along with developers that worked on both Dishonored and Prey. So that's super exciting. Uh, Beyond that, I didn't look too deep into this, Jackson. Do you have any other insight to share? Oh, just that um, Harvey Smith is kind of the creative guy. I mean, there are other guys out there like Rafael Colantonio and uh, Ricardo Barre, but like Harvey Smith is one of those guys that you want to make, want to be at the head of a project um, is what I'm trying to drive at. And he's at the head of this 200 man team um, and that I'm just very excited. Whatever they're working on, doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to be laser focused on it like I am with Deathloop, which is also another game that I think will really surprise people. I think people are sleeping on it. Yeah, I, I actually was I was on a totally separate podcast over the break, and one of the questions I got ask, asked was, what is my most anticipated game of 2020? And it, it seems like it's a new game every single day, but on that particular day, it was Deathloop. <laughs> right. Uh, everything I read about Deathloop gets me more excited about it. Yeah, but anyhow, this is exciting. I didn't realize that the, sto- the team he was on working with this, you said it's 200 people? 200 people at Arcane, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, big, big uh, team there. That's kind of what you expect from AAA, like 200 plus. So, yep. Yeah, I know sometimes when they announce these new projects, uh, like the next story we're going to talk about, the teams aren't that big, but uh, that's fantastic. Super exciting. Um, Yeah, the stuff they come out with at Arcane is always pretty top notch. So, we will definitely look forward to that. Uh, And as I just alluded to, our next story has to do with another, well, another new game. This time it's a new IP at Respawn, um, who as we all know, you know, has worked on uh, Apex Legends and Jedi Fallen Order and the Titanfall games. So lots of great games coming out of Respawn. But this uh, story popped up after a job listing was posted for a generalist software engineer that is working on a game that will, quote, enable adventuring forever. So it definitely sounds like some sort of live service game, uh, which we know based off of Apex Legends that Respawn, they're one of the few studios who's really pulled off a live service game almost flawlessly. Yes. Uh, Apex really hit the ground running and presented something different, um, I think, that people wanted in a Fortnite world. And this was pre-Warzone, mind you. So, um, yeah, Apex has a healthy little uh, little community still running. Yeah, so if this game that they're working on is, you know, it says enabling, it, it enables adventuring forever, which does sound a bit more like a, um, like maybe a single player experience. I shouldn't say single player, but um, more of like a, a narrative adventure type game rather than like a multiplayer shooter. But right. um, d- does sound exciting. And then uh, the post did have in the URL, I noticed you go to the URL and it it, it says that the um, as part of the URL, which is weird, that it is a small incubation team. So that to me indicates that this game is pretty far off in the distance. Um, and... We didn't. We do know it's a new IP, so it's, we shouldn't expect like Titanfall three or Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order two. That's not to say we shouldn't expect those from Respawn. That's just not this game. Exactly. Um, that's important to note. And uh, another thing, Respawn has a great track record. I, I think this is important to note because of the past year and all the the stumbled launches. 
Respawn has a great track record of putting out games when they're ready. So don't expect this game to be rushed out. Um, it's probably pretty far away, like Josh said. Yeah, yeah. Respawn is like a they're they're kind of an anomaly. They they you know seem to have a really good track record of putting. Although there were some bugs and whatnot, technical issues with Jedi Fallen Order, I suppose. But that game you know was was great when it launched. But yeah, with with what they did with Apex Legends, um, it was all very anti what we would expect. At least what I would expect from a, a studio owned by Electronic Arts. <laughs> yes, shots fired. But yes, yeah. So um, cool. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see what we hear about this, although it might be a while before we do. But uh, always exciting to hear what Respawn is up to. Uh, next, we got some uh, some not so great news, but I guess it depends on how you look at it. Uh, Outriders was delayed to April 1st. Um, and I am going to kick this over to you. I think you have a bit more familiarity with Outriders than I do. So uh, take it away, Jackson. Yes. Yeah, so Outriders... Um it's been kind of a weird game since it was uh, revealed. It kind of functions as a looter shooter, almost destiny type. That's what they're going for, but it's not going to bleed you dry in terms of like releasing a bunch of content that you're going to have to keep paying for. At least that's what the promise has been. Um, kind of got off topic there, but Outriders, looter shooter, next gen kind of experience that feels a lot like Gears of War or Bulletstorm. Uh, original date was February 2nd, and I really hadn't seen much about this game over the last month or so. So the dev, People Can Fly, said that they're delaying the game. They're going to spend the extra time fine-tuning it and focusing on delivering the best experience possible. They also said that a free demo is coming at the end of February, February 25th, that'll feature the first few hours of the game, and you can play it with all four classes, which is great both in single player and co-op, which is fantastic, and the progress in your characters will carry over to the full game. Um, This really reminds me of Destiny's beta, and I'm talking about 2014, way back when, when we were testing this new dynamic looter shooter. Different situation, obviously, but I think this is a great move um, for Outriders, and I think it's a game that might have disappointed if it came out February 2nd, if I'm being quite honest. Um, And I also think this represents an you know, an opportunity for a developer and a publisher to do the right thing and wait until their game is ready to put out. People are already learning from uh, December 10th and everything that went down with uh, Cyberpunk. So, yeah, it makes me wonder if prior they were looking at the game and saying, yeah, it has some bugs, but we know that you can kind of skate by with with uh, bugs like this and that you can get away with releasing a game in this shape. But then they saw what happened with, with uh, Cyberpunk and said, nope, let's pump the brakes let's make sure this is more polished i have no uh no insight into whether or not that's what happened but i do wonder if there were any discussions like that sure i'm i think that's always part of the conversation um games are never perfect um and we always think that that's uh you know that's a goal right obviously every dev wants their game to be as good as possible no one's ever arguing that but it's a matter of is it worth it? And they decided, no, it's not worth it to push this game out. So bravo. I think that's not an easy decision to make to delay a game two months, and they did it. So I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, that's it. You're, you're right on there. And one interesting thing before we move on, I did look at, this was announced on Twitter, and I did look at some of the most liked comments beneath their, their announcement on Twitter. And one of them was, you know, just make sure it's ready when you launch it. I think it was even more strongly worded than that. Like, don't release this if it's not ready. And it's kind of the opposite sentiment that we might have gotten, you know, six months ago where people would just have been disappointed that there's a delay. It seems like now there's like a very 
there's just kind of this like a a paradigm shift of how people yeah. think about yeah delays. I I totally feel that too. That people really just want the game to be ready when uh or you know launch when it's ready. So we'll hope that that's what uh, happens here. Um and yeah, so April first, April Fool's Day. Um, <laughs> we will hopefully all be able to play Outriders. Yes, hopefully. Yep. Um, a game that's coming out a bit sooner. The other kind of big January release, The Medium, uh, got a big 14-minute gameplay video. This is our next story here. And, uh, you know, I just watched it this morning. I knew that this popped uh, a couple days ago, but I just watched it for the first time this morning. And I am super into this game. I cannot wait for this game to come out. It's an Xbox Series X and S exclusive. So one of the few next-generation exclusives coming out, even that we know of this year, and this really looks like an old-school survival horror experience with kind of a new multi-dimensional twist. It's got that fixed third-person camera angle. The camera does move at times, but it's not like the over-the-shoulder camera we got in the Resident Evil remakes. Um, and it also looks to have these stealth sections where you're creeping around these almost invisible monsters that gave me some serious Death Stranding vibes. Yeah, I got that too when I watched this gameplay video. Um and I was a little shocked by the, not shocked, that's probably a strong word, the fixed camera angles was surprising to me. And I really, I'm with you, like, I really dig that they went with that uh, angle. Like, I'm sure it, they had a lot of pressure just internally about, you know, uh, this is going to feel too old. But I, I think, like, going back to those tried and true uh, methods of delivering a game, especially a survival horror game, they, you know, they work. So I, I was excited to see that personally. Yeah, and they're, uh, you know, I know that this game, I've read some interviews about it, uh, and they they were heavily inspired by Silent Hill, which had those fixed camera angles. Gotcha. And I I think they're going to, potentially, if the gameplay holds up, I think they might have a hit on their hands, because there's been all those talks about people wanting a Silent Hill remake, and I think that this is the closest uh, we're going to get until we hear something on that front, if anything, uh, to a, a, like something that feels and plays like those old Silent Hill games. So I, I'm really excited for this. Uh, I hope... I've really got my fingers crossed for it. Me too. I, and like you said, I like the multi-dimensional like split screen twist. This game is doing it's it's also like pushing the envelope in certain ways like like that specifically and using the tech that we have yeah. with next gen. So I'm I'm very excited about that aspect too. Yeah, if there's one thing I wonder about, it's how they're handling this split screen gameplay. I couldn't tell in the trailer if that's just for the trailer to help tell the story of how this game is going to work or if we're actually going to be able to see both dimensions at once as we play the game. I think we might. And that's the only thing I don't know how it's going to play out uh, on our TV screens or computer monitors when we're playing. Is that going to be distracting to have two two dimensions to look at at once? Or is it just going to uh, switch between the two? Uh, I don't know if they've actually said that. Very well said. I have the same questions. We'll have to see. Yeah. So anyways, the medium comes out. I think I should have put this in the doc, but I think it's either January 28th or 29th that it comes out. I want to say 28th. I'm going to do the quickest Google search you've ever seen. It's the 28th. 28th. So look forward to that. Uh, uh, that and Hitman. Those are the two big January releases. So with that, uh, that wraps up our uh, week in previews. Again, uh, we are highlighting our top five stories of the week from here on out. Uh, but we are open to your feedback. So let us know if you if you dig this new format or if you prefer the way we were doing it before. We'd love to hear from you. Moving on, though. We now have our Game of the Year discussion. This is something I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, it was really tough to pare my uh, my list down. Um, but I have, uh, per 
kind of how you did it, Jackson. I followed your lead here. Okay. I have five games that definitely made my definitive list, and then I've got some runners up. But since I, as always, feel like I've been doing most of the talking, I thought I would kick this over to you. I don't know if you want to go one by one and just pinball back and forth, or uh, yeah, or, let's do uh, that. Let's pinball back and forth, uh, starting with five. Yeah, yeah, starting with yeah. Okay, starting at the bottom and moving up. Um, I will kick it over to you, and then we'll go on with mine. Awesome, perfect. Okay, so this number five was actually kind of tough for me to to hammer down, um, but when I thought more about it, um, it, it made sense to me. And uh, for me, number five is Doom Eternal, and it's a game a lot of people figure. Uh, sorry, they've forgotten about um, because twenty twenty uh, was five years long. Doom Eternal came out on the same day that Animal Crossing did, and um, it was a very wholesome coming together. But Doom Eternal, for me, represents some of the best fast-paced um, FPS combat um, I've ever played, which is like saying a lot. Um, Doom 2016 was fantastic, but what Doom Eternal really did to me was kind of blend in the difficulty element that I got from other franchises that I love, like the Soulsborne games, like the Demon Souls remake, it really felt like it incorporated two different, yeah, parts of my gaming habits and preferences, the the FPS and the really hard difficulty into just the most heart-pounding, action-packed video game experience I had this year. It was absolutely Doom Eternal, and it's not even close. And I just love everything about the design elements that they went with, the whole treating combat like a chessboard with enemies being different pieces and offering different, uh, you know, ways to counter them and sort of figuring that out in your mind. But on the fly, you know, it just asked a lot of me mentally and, you know, like with my reaction times too. Um, and it felt like it was worth it. Um, uh, the entire experience to me felt worth it. Plus I love kind of the the dark vibe and aesthetic of these new Doom games. I think that it really nails it with these new games. So for me, as an action game, Doom Eternal had to be on my top five. Yeah, I echo uh, everything you just said. Um, I'm not going to uh, speak too long about Doom Eternal because it's, well, it's also on my list. I'm just going <laughs> to spoiler that. but uh, And I won't talk about it too much then. But I yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, Doom Eternal. Actually, why don't I just get into it now? So I, I do completely agree. Doom Eternal's fantastic. Uh, my favorite just pure action game of the year. Um, and adding on to what you said, I, I love the, the the harvesting of resources, kind of this kind of, they call it the doom dance over at id Software. I thought that was a great way right. of putting it where you, you know, you have to balance um, just going in hardcore and just blasting these demons in the face versus, oh, I don't have enough uh, of my, I don't have enough health or armor. So which enemies do I have to kill? And do I have to use my chainsaw or do I have to use my rocket launcher? I thought that was a really fun way to add strategy to the battles in Doom Eternal. And then the other thing that I loved about Doom Eternal was the exploration elements that they took from Doom 2016 and kind of ratcheted up a notch by adding this uh, feature where you get to the end of a level and then you can all of a sudden backtrack to get what you missed. I yeah. loved that. Uh, and it made each level feel much more like this scavenger hunt. I love exploration in my games. And Doom Eternal did it, I think, better than any first-person shooter um, that's not an open-world game. It's very linear, but they managed to get this um, this exploration element down. I love Doom Eternal. Fantastic game. Awesome. Agree with everything you said. I, I, and it made me remember, forgot to talk about audio. 
the music is fantastic. Mm. It's just delivers so much in terms of how I feel when I'm playing that game. Just so hectic. And I also appreciate the fact that it's an FPS that makes you be aggressive. You are rewarded for being aggressive. You're yeah. not hiding behind cover. You're not using cover-based shooting, which I just get bored of. I mean, Call of Duty is the prime example of that. I love what Doom Eternal does for FPS. Yeah, me too. So great pick. Uh, moving on to my uh, fifth game on my list is Final Fantasy VII Remake. And, uh, you know, when I initially played this, I was like, wow, this is my game of the year. But when I look back on it, you know, I feel like that the gameplay of this game, uh, the combat was great, but the actual the missions that you did in between the the real uh, story bits felt a lot like filler. So that's why it's not higher on this list. But the reason it made the list to begin with is the storytelling here. I feel that, you know, Final Fantasy VII is a game that I, like many people, have a lot of nostalgia for. I loved it when it came out on the original PlayStation way back when, and they nailed the the just the feel of the game, the storytelling of the game, and the characters. Uh, for one, when when the game opened, one of the one of the two games that uh, brought me to tears this year, uh, just just after the opening, I was like, "Yep, that's Final Fantasy." That's th- they they reproduced kind of the introduction of this game the way that I remembered it in my imagination, and just did a fantastic job. But then the characters, uh, you have some mostly the characters that were kind of background uh, characters in the original. So for those who who maybe don't know, Final Fantasy VII Remake takes place over only the first seven hours of the, or maybe even five or six hours of the first game. So because of that, a lot of the characters that they were able to really dive deep into in the the second or the the remake were just in the game for a very brief few moments in the original. But they nailed them, and I I wish I could talk spoilers here, but I won't. There's one character in particular who is just super charming. Um, I love spending every minute around her in the game, and then there's a big plot twist, and it's just a it's it's a it's a moment in the game, and just really hit me hard. Um, and yeah, I, I, that's the combat was was cool. Oh, the other thing about Final Fantasy VII Remake is the way that they um, it's a remake, but they take certain liberties with the story, and they have these characters called the Whisperers, I think they're called. And every time something happens in the game that didn't happen in the original. These whisperers come in and change and change it back to the way it was. I think I'm remembering it correctly, and it's this really cool way of of Square Enix to change the story in ways, but stay true to the original. It was actually genius the way they pulled that off. And um, again, I could get into spoilers, but I won't. But if you played the original and then you played the remake, you know what I'm talking about. Awesome. Whew. Lots of talking there. Yeah. No. I. Um. I. See, this is one of my gaming blind spots, um, but I do know, generally speaking, that so many people enjoyed Final Fantasy VII Remake this year, so um, it's awesome to hear that it made your list. Uh, nostalgia is, is awesome, but it also sounded like a great game, not like not yep. just uh, a nostalgia fair there. Yeah, yeah, the gameplay was a little lacking at, at, at times, <clears> but the, the storytelling kept me hooked throughout. I think I spent like 50 hours playing this game. Loved it. Awesome. Awesome. All right, I'll continue on my list. Um so number four for me might be surprising for some of you to hear, but um, the fact that it's this far down, um, for me, it is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, but I do want to preface this with the fact that um, four is high on, on a game of the year list. Yeah. I think it is. Um, especially this year. Especially this year. A lot of really good games. Um, so to me, Valhalla, I've actually bounced back and forth as I do with many games on how I felt about it. And more and more lately... Valhalla has felt like a game that actually does earn 
your playtime. And I'm not talking about the story. I think the story was way, way, way too long for reasons that we don't have time to talk about in this podcast. But I think in terms of an open world game that gives you variety and beautiful, beautiful landscapes to explore and interesting things to find and learn and hear and do, it really does crush it. Um, and, and yeah, it, that's, again, something that I actually didn't agree with, but I put the game down and it made me realize that Valhalla is a game that I think is best played with patience. You just got to be patient. You got to be willing to take your time to explore and soak in the detail um, on a scale that is as big as this game. Um, I think it does a lot in terms of the open world um, formula. I think it's the best open world Assassin's Creed game they've put out. Um, and I'm more evaluating it from that perspective. I think if you're a purist, it is a little disappointing. Um, of course, I'm I am part of that crowd that would like to see the series go in a different direction. But if I'm looking at what UB put out with their vision, I think they made a really good open world Viking game. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about Assassin's Creed and why it's on my list. Nice. Yeah, I, I did not finish Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but probably again because I had what we talked about earlier. I had a little bit of the Creed fatigue. Uh, <laughs> and but yeah, I loved what they did with the exploration elements of this game. Uh, some of those open world elements. Uh, yeah, I had a great time. I think I spent 20 hours with it, but which means I got about 10% of the way through the game. <laughs> oh my God, it's so big. Josh, it takes like over 60 hours to complete the story alone. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. You know, that's that seems even longer than Odyssey. I think you could get the story of Odyssey it's faster than that. It's longer than Odyssey. Yeah, but I'm happy that it made your list because uh, you, you spent a lot of time in this game this year. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my number four game is Doom Eternal. So we've already covered this game. I'm not going to get into it anymore. Uh, love it. Great action game. If you haven't played it and you like first-person shooters or just blood and guts, <laughs> check it out. Those are good that's things. Pretty much, yeah, that's. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. So I'll, I'll kick it back over to you. All right. My number three is Spider-Man Miles Morales, um, which probably is surprising for some people. Um, it's a short game. I get that. And I think when I, I see a lot of conversation about Miles Morales, they're like, yeah, it's great, but it's short. I don't care how long video games are. If if what they present works and it's great within the time frame that they set out, you know, for us to play, then I, yeah, how long a game is does not make a game worse, in my opinion, unless it's too long, actually. Yeah. Um, Miles Morales presents some of the best, and really Spider-Man uh, PS4, the one that came out two years ago, presents the best open world traversal in a video game I've ever played in the form of web slinging. It is just fantastic, and it really resonated with me, um, especially this time around but also in the way that Insomniac was able to make this game stand out and be different than Spider-Man 2018. And I think if you are a person that really did take the time to play both games, you do see those differences and you do see um, that they made an impact. Um, I was also very impressed with how tight the storytelling was and just the general polish of this game. I mean, this is a, the most bug-free game I've played in a very, very long yeah. time. Um, and it's also one of the most gorgeous, gorgeous games um, on next gen, but in a very realistic way. You know, you can look at something like Demon Souls and be like, oh, my God, this is next gen. But then you can look at Miles Morales and like they freaking recreated Manhattan and added more detail and elements in the 2018 game. 
um, in a way that is mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing to swing through New York, and it's mind-blowing to see how great the combat flows and how they were able to incorporate bioelectricity and all of that uh, and make it work within the combat system that was already there. So yeah. uh, I've made a whole deep-dive video about Miles Morales, but uh, it just totally blew me away. Yeah, and you know, uh, it, it did not make my list, but I will say one of my favorite parts about uh, Miles Morales was also the character development. Yeah, Miles, such a great character. Ah, uh, I love. Isn't he like just the best human? I needed yeah. to see a human like that in a video game after 2020. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just, just like a a good person, and yeah. you know, he's relatable. Uh, yeah. and he's at the same time he's he doesn't you know look like a lot of the characters we see in games, and yeah. um, just just a lot of fun to play uh, in his shoes. And uh, um, I think I think a better character than Peter Parker, in my opinion. That's what I said. I said that in my review. Like I, he's just more compelling to me. We've seen Peter Parker a billion times, and the new one is interesting. He did a good job, but it's still that character. Miles is not someone I know intimately, and I'm really glad that I now do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I uh, would definitely recommend anyone check it out if you have a PS4 or if you're fortunate to have a PS5. It does look fantastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on to my number three game. This is a game, man, I really wanted to put it higher, but I just couldn't. Uh, and that's Cyberpunk 2077. So the gameplay wise, I think this game is is up there. It it, it could this game didn't have the problems, the, the not just the glitches, but I do think there's some really interesting we'll call them interesting design choices in the game if it, if all that wasn't there and it was just based on gameplay this might have been and story this might have been my top game of the year um i could not put this game down once i got going with it and as a testament to how addicted i got to this game i couldn't put it down even though for me and i know not everybody experienced this up until the last hour of this game literally during the credits rolling the game crashed on me and it kept <laughs> crashing there was only one time where I played this game for more than three or four hours that it didn't crash once or twice. So not only that, but bugs that uh, to me were very interruptive to the experience. Uh, I still was just like, okay, I'll restart the game and keep going. And I I just loved the gameplay. The mission, I felt like the missions were great. Um, even the side, I, I spent a, a whole couple of days just clearing the map of one of the regions because I wanted to see what happens when you did that. And I, I think I love the side missions just as much as the story missions for the gameplay, not necessarily the story. I chose a stealth um, hacker build, and I do feel like the stealth and hacking in this game holds up. Uh, I do. I have talked to some people who played this game as more of a, a, a solo build, kind of the brute uh, strength build where you just go through and shoot everybody in the face or <laughs> use... Uh, use more melee combat. It didn't sound as fun to me, so maybe if I had done that, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. But uh, I'm not sure I'm articulating just how hooked I got on this game because of the gameplay. Also, the 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 main characters, the NPCs that are the main NPCs of the story are fantastic. Uh, everybody seems to love Pan Am. I loved Judy. Um, I played Female V, which allowed me to romance Judy, and I actually did totally feel attached to her uh, by the end of the game, and I love that about it. Um, you know, I, I also have, it's funny, before I uh, move on, I have a friend who didn't quite like this game as much as I did, and everything he says about the game, negative, I'm like, yep, that's there, that's there, but the gameplay just hooked me. Nice. Awesome. So, it may, it may surprise you, Cyberpunk's not on my list. Um, yeah. No, it doesn't really surprise me all that much, given yeah, everything I guess that's, with this that's game. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, cyberpunk. It's it's interesting. Like I don't I don't want to be the guy sitting here like uh, challenging everything you just said, but it didn't suck me in. Interestingly enough, and it was interesting when when uh, you mentioned this would be on your list because. I remember you talking about it on the show and being like, man, these bugs are crushing me. So it's so intriguing to me that even with those bugs, the game sucked you in that much that you were so enjoying it, which is awesome. Yeah, I love the gameplay. And the, the city itself is just, to me, even though on PlayStation 5, it still didn't look nearly as good as they advertised. Yeah. It's still, I feel like the city was pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I also felt amazed by the city. Um, and I also felt, I don't know if you ever felt this, but... Uh, like the way that the game frames shots through the story from first person perspective with the lighting and the character models is very special in an open world setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's some very impressive stuff in cyberpunk. That's awesome. Yep. All right. So um, now it's on to me. My yeah. number two Sorry, game. Go oh, you're good. Of the year is the last of us part two um it was very close between this one and my 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 game of the year but yeah um the last of us part two i think the only reason it's in my second position is actually is because it's a sequel and it's not an original new ip i tend to lean towards the original new ips as being the thing that's like wow this is brand new and it really killed it um, the Last of Us Part Two, however, um, deserves to be up here, and it deserved the Game of the Year um, award at the Game Awards, in my opinion, because it really challenged me as a gamer to um, kind of set aside my loyalties and to um, really allow the natural evolution of characters I loved to play out. And, um, and yeah... It challenged me emotionally. I hated characters for the majority of the game, um, but then things happened, and I began to love them. Um, and so I think narratively, it's groundbreaking. I think visually, it's groundbreaking. Um, gameplay is where it does more of the same, um, but also, and this is a big talking point around when the game was out, if you were able to navigate the cesspool of negativity around this game, and the, the the discourse when it came out, um, people said that the gameplay wasn't great in its parts, but put together, it's great. And that that's an idea that I can get around to. Um, I think the the loop of stealth action, stealth action disappearing, kind of playing hide and seek. Um, that's how I played that game, and I really loved it. Um, I didn't think it was too long. I thought actually I thought it was a little bit long in sections, but performances motion capture performance motion capture uh writing all of that was just it felt like one of the best narrative experiences i've ever had in a video game and so um yeah it would be number one if not for this next game so that's where it is for me nice yeah well i won't go too long on my number two game because it's also the last of us part two <laughs> oh um, no i love stealing your thunder <laughs> yeah no not at all i loved the last of us part two but i i love it the, the the more time that it passes since i've played it the more i seem to really look back fondly on this game and it was because like you said it challenged me it was not the story i wanted naughty dog to tell like it wasn't for many people but i accepted that this was their video game and i was along for the ride And by the time I got to the end of it, it really made me kind of think about and ponder decisions I made in my life that paralleled the decisions that Ellie made. And I feel like this game, to me, 
And I know everybody has a different experience with the game, but for me, this game was all about letting go and watching Ellie just cl- cling on to her demons for dear life until the bitter end and just screaming at her in my mind saying, you know, I, I don't know. I shouldn't go too deep into it, but uh, it, I was really connected to Ellie. I still am as a character and watching her go through this painful experience was uh, an experience for me as well. And I really got to give Naughty Dog credit for pulling that off. I mean, it's crazy that I'm talking about a video game, you know, <laughs> uh, so that's why it's on my list. Awesome. Um, so in terms of relating to Ellie, have you killed like hundreds of people, Josh? Do you need to tell us something? <laughs> no. Yeah. So <laughs> it, just kidding. I mean, every getting back into the the letting go thing, I feel like everybody's had experiences like that. Well, I shouldn't I shouldn't speak for anyone else. I've had experiences like that where it's like maybe I clung, I clung on to my my inner demons, but no, I have not blasted anybody <laughs> in the face. I haven't um, stealth killed anybody with a, a, a knife and slit their throat. Okay. Um, nor have I had thoughts of doing anything like that. So good to know. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for checking up on me, though. Yeah, I mean, I figured <laughs> you said you related to her, so just want to make sure who yeah. I'm uh, hosting a podcast with. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, what a great game, man. Um, yeah, it was very close, very close to number one. But yeah, definitely for me, um, I'm giving it to Ghost of Tsushima. I really loved Ghost of Tsushima. Um, it was a game I was really looking forward to ever since it was announced and visually it is stunning. It blew me away. Um, the load times blew my mind, even though we weren't even in next gen, they were so quick. I don't know if people remember that. Um, yeah, the story, um, blew me away, even though in countless reviews, people claimed it was like weak or something. I, I just really connected with Jin and his, uh, psychological struggle of whether to follow the ways that he's been taught all his life or do the right thing that he feels in his heart. Um, combat, combat, combat is really, I think, why it's up so high for me and why it's game of the year. Um, I think it really, and this may be connected to Assassin's Creed and my my kind of uh, clinging on to being a purist for that series, it really ticked all of the boxes for me and what I wanted a samurai game to do. Um, from the different fighting styles and kind of doing a tic-tac-toe against my enemies, um, but just really evoking what it feels like to play as a samurai. Ghost of Tsushima is the game to do that. Um, I thought it was Sekiro, even though Sekiro does its own kind of Soulsborne-style combat. It's not. It is it is Ghost of Tsushima. Um, and so in terms of also evoking that sense of the wandering samurai, that trope just nailed it in spades um what i also really love about ghost of tsushima is how it tackled exploration and i went back to it recently and was blown away by the guiding wind and how i wasn't relying on a compass or a uh, a mini map it's just it's a small change but it that's the small change that makes all the difference um two games actually i think that valhalla nails exploration in its own way but obviously Ghost of Tsushima is higher for me because it does address a big hangup I have with exploring massive open worlds. There's no place in Ghost of Tsushima that I didn't want to go to because on the way, I was enthralled by what I was seeing and watching. And I it's, it's, it was almost active in that I was using the guiding wind and swiping up on my controller and um, taking in what I was seeing. So um, I know I rambled all over the place, but 
yeah, this this is my game of the year because also it didn't make me feel like The Last of Us Part Two, which was emotionally draining. Ghost of Tsushima was like my feel good game as well as yeah. Miles Morales, but Ghost of Tsushima just made me feel really good. I loved it from start to finish, and I can't wait to dive back into it. Yeah, uh, I loved Ghost of Tsushima. It didn't make my list, and and the reason was uh, not to sound like a broken record, but just all these open world games this year, I yeah was a little bit uh uh. Uh, yeah, I was kind of down on some of the open world games because I feel like I had done it many times before. But yeah, Ghost of Tsushima, I think the most beautiful game for me, at least in terms of the world itself uh, of the generation the game, looked like a PS5 game to me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I agree that what they did with the exploration was fantastic. Jackson, you have got to play The Pathless. I think based on ah. what you just told me about how you are enjoying <laughs> the exploration in both Ghost of Tsushima and uh, uh, Assassin's Creed, The Pathless does a lot of that stuff. The game has no mini-map, no overworld map, and no waypoints, yet you still are able to clear each section of the, the map. It's uh, If I had finished that game by the time we made this list, it might have uh, made this list, uh, if that makes sense. But, I, yeah. I saw your tweet about it, and yeah, I just gave you the, the eyes emoji because I was like, oh, <laughs> I really need to play this game, but I know I'm not going to be able to play it in time for our discussion here. So yeah, that's great yeah. to hear. I can't wait. Yeah, I think based off yeah what you said about Ghost of Tsushima, I would highly recommend it. And same to anyone else out there who's played Ghosts or Ghost and loved it. Check out the Pathless. Um, my game of the year. This, if you've been listening to the podcast closely, this might come as no surprise. It's Demon Souls. Uh, yes, this is a remake, uh, but I never played the original Demon Souls, and I have slowly over the years become a massive fan of. Uh, um, I always forget his name. Uh, Miyazaki. Yes. Uh, the guy who is the kind of mastermind behind these games, but you know, Bloodborne was the first one I got into. Sekiro was the second, and now Demon Souls is the third that I have just completely fallen in love with. One of the th- reasons I really like Demon Souls over the Dark Souls games, which I actually haven't really been able to get into, is the way that the world is structured. It's broken into these five different levels, which you explore individually, and you can do them in any order which makes the game, to me, feel a lot more accessible and less overwhelming than the the Dark Souls games. And uh, the challenge is there, but it, I found this game to be less... Um, yeah, I actually found it to be less punishing, and, and I think accessible is a great word. Uh, I would, if you're looking to get into your first Souls game, I would highly recommend Demon Souls. Uh, stick stick with it, because it does take some, some time to get used to, but uh, very... Very easy to get into. Then it is gorgeous. This game is absolutely stunning. It definitely looks like a next-gen game. I think that games are going to get far more beautiful than this as we move on. But if you want to know what a next-gen console game looks like, uh, I think Demon's Souls is probably the best example we have of that. Uh, And yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add other than those things. But I found that of all the games I played this year, this is the one that I had the most uh, difficult time putting down. And it's the game that once you know my workday was over, I had the mo- I was looking forward to the most getting back to and just putting in as many hours as I could before I uh, went to bed at three or four in the morning. So uh, <laughs> yeah, fantastic game. Check out Demon Souls if you like a challenge and if you just like a an immersive uh, world just dripping with atmosphere. Can't recommend it enough. Awesome, awesome answer. Um, yeah, I I would have uh, it probably it definitely would have been on my top five. It might have bumped out Doom Eternal um, if I had played it. Um, but yeah. I just need to get back and play it. it. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, uh, that is our uh, game of the year discussion. Anything you want to add to this before we move on? We're uh, we're kind of 
uh, pushing up against the end of the show here. Yes. Um, I'm actually going to rattle off my honorable mentions just by name. Um, games I've played but didn't necessarily finish but could have been in this list. Demon Souls, like I mentioned. Hades. Uh, Warzone, actually. I had a lot of fun with that game this year. Fall Guys. I will never forget my experience with that game. And then Wasteland 3 was a great RPG. Nice. Yeah, I've got some uh, honorable mentions as well. Immortals Phoenix Rising of all the open world games. I did play that one. Spoke to me the most. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. If you're uh, into 2D, uh, challenging 2D action platformers. That's a, And Metroidvanias, that's a fantastic one. And then Ghost of Tsushima, uh, for many of the reasons we already covered, uh, that game made my runner-up list. And I do just want to give a shout-out to uh, The Last Campfire. If you're into indie small indie puzzle adventure games, The Last Campfire was great. Astro's Playroom blew me away. And uh, uh, another game that I don't feel I got enough attention at the beginning of the year, Journey to the Savage Planet, I played and really enjoyed. Awesome. I played that one too. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, there we go. Uh, From there, we are going to move on uh, and have a a quick discussion about some of our uh, uh, New Year's resolutions when it comes to gaming. And uh, this was a great idea for you to add to the show, Doc Jackson. uh, And I do want to ask, what are your New Year's resolutions when it comes to video games? Uh, okay, so for me, uh, number one is to try more types of games. Um, I think everyone knows what kinds of games they like, so we stick to them. Games cost money. Uh, we operate, obviously, in that ecosystem. But like, I have Xbox Game Pass. I have these other subscription libraries, and there's a bunch of indie games that I'm always curious about, but I never pull the trigger. So at the top of my list, yeah, my New Year's resolution, just try more different types of games. Go out of my comfort zone. I'm actually, it's funny you say that. That's one of mine as well. I had several, but I uh, dove so deep into the games that spoke to me uh, in terms of what I like. And that's mostly third-person action adventures that, as you heard me say, I kind of grew a little tired of some of that gameplay. So I actually, like I said at the top of the show, I've had an itch to get into Mortal Kombat, a fighting game. I used to really like fighting games uh, in my younger days, so I've thought of trying to get back into that and um, playing just, yeah, different types of games to diversify my experience. And uh, who knows what I'll discover along that journey. So uh, not to uh, ride your coattails, but uh, (laughs) pretty much right there with you on that. Um, The other one is just to manage my time better so I play more, spend more time playing games. Yes, that's always something I feel like I could uh, do better. Um, I have one little resolution attack on a mine, and that's to um, to not play content that I don't don't force myself to play things that I don't want to play. So it's kind yeah. of goes hand in hand there. But like, if I'm in, I, I will play everything in Valhalla because I I am enjoying myself. But if I'm in an open world game and I don't want to collect everything, just don't do it. Like, just yeah. just don't. It's not worth your time. There's not enough time on this world to play games that you don't enjoy. Just play the yeah. ones that you do enjoy. Don't let that 100% uh, <laughs> uh, call your name too, too, too hard. Exactly. All right. Uh, with that, we are going to uh, get to the tail end of the podcast and take our, our second break. When we get back, uh, we may talk about what we're playing. Not sure, Jackson. We might have a discussion about <laughs> whether we do that segment. Anyways, we'll, we'll be right back. And we're back. And as I just said, uh, normally we do our what we've been playing section here, but Jackson and I had a quick discussion, and we've pretty much covered everything that we've been playing uh, in the last little bit. So we are going to uh, move on to our mailbag, because we have a really good question here from Ricardo. 
And uh, before we get into it, you can send us your questions to the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So if you want to hear your question discussed on next week's show, send us an email and we'll look forward to reading uh, all of your questions. We do read them all and uh, uh, maybe we'll pick yours next week. So Ricardo writes, should cyberpunk have been more like a deus ex or Bioshock? The atmosphere may be strong, but the overworld overall is half-baked and often just feels like set dressing. You have cops that do nothing, NPCs that act like zombies, areas that feel too samey, poor vehicle handling, and a colossal colossal lack of dynamism in general. Why have an open world if said world is clearly just a static backdrop for the storytelling? Do you agree with do you agree with the idea that it would be better as a Bioshock or Deus Ex style experience, or are you more happy with it being an open world? So it sounds like basically should it have been more of a single player uh, not single player, but excuse me, more of a uh, um, linear, linear, yeah, experience. Uh, and again, you know, Ricardo, thank you for the question. But again, these are all definitely his opinions. You know, my opinions are different than than yours and than anyone else listening to this. But he does make some good points here. At least I feel. What are your thoughts, Jackson? Um, Ricardo, yes, I agree with the general sentiment that you're putting out there. Actually, um, I do feel that the format suits. Um, cyberpunk and I think if they kind of went in a little bit of a different direction it would have worked more for what they were doing but uh, I generally I do agree with you I expected a little more dynamic genre pushing um, game out of cyberpunk and I think in a lot of the ways that you mentioned um, it fell short and for that reason I think it could have been better as a more linear experience especially the storytelling because a lot of the story is just linear so yeah I agree yeah, I would love to see what CD Projekt Red could do with a more focused linear experience. And I do wish that C- that uh, Cyberpunk had been, that development for Cyberpunk had been more focused. But I don't, uh, it's funny for the reasons I mentioned earlier on the podcast, why this made my game of the year list. A lot of the activities in the game that I love so much were the open world activities. So I'm happy that it was open world. But um, Ricardo, I would, like I said, like to see what CDPR could do with more of like maybe a, uh, you know, linear, more... I want to say Naughty Dog-esque experience, but or something like Bioshock or Deus Ex would be interesting. So thank you for the question. Uh, Again, if anyone else wants to hear us talk about your question, write in to preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And with that, we are going to wrap things up. Uh, If you are, before we do, just want to remind you that if you are listening on any of the audio platforms, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever, uh, uh, we'd love for you to uh, rate us, leave a review, Uh, Let us know uh, if you are enjoying listening to the show. And with that, we are back on schedule. So we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening uh, and tuning in. Bye, guys.